men can get pregnant? No, I don't. I started rebelling against my grandfather and he insisted that I stick to the sheet music. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. I want to do things my own way. The idea of inclusion is incredibly toxic. And, you know, I'm not one to seek inclusion into anything. to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappelle. Russian MP seeks no promo homo expansion. Drag queen brunch defenders devour delusional protesters. And queer artist Dorian Wood performs with urgent authenticity. Those stories and more this week because you found This Way Out. I'm Michael LeBeau. And I'm Melanie Keller. With NewsWrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending July 16th, 2022. Russia's no promo homo law would include material distributed to adults if a prominent member of the Duma gets his way. Alexander Kinstein chairs the information committee in the lower house of parliament and he thinks the country's law banning the dissemination of propaganda of non-traditional sexual relations to minors is insufficient. Kinstein wrote in a social media post, We propose to fully extend the ban on that sort of propaganda among audiences of all ages, covering offline, media outlets, the internet, social media, as well as in cinema theaters. The current law sends offenders to jail for up to 15 days, or fines them up to a million rubles, about 15,500 U.S. dollars. Kinstein is pushing for stronger penalties. Vladimir Putin enthusiastically signed the current no-promo-homo law in 2013. The legislation essentially killed public pride celebrations. Kinstein plans to introduce his expanded no-promo-homo legislative package when the Duma reconvenes later this year. Putin's invasion of Ukraine led to Russia's exit from the Human Rights Promoting Council of Europe earlier this year. That move paved the way for increased repression, according to parliamentary speaker Vatislav Volodin, who said, Attempts to impose alien values on our society have failed. Meanwhile, a leading Russian feminist and LGBTQ activist has been acquitted of distributing pornography and LGBT propaganda. Yulia Shvitkova's The Vagina Monologues blog featured body-positive drawings of the female anatomy. Her arrest in 2019 prompted nationwide protests, resulting in dozens of detentions. The Kremlin officially declared her to be a foreign agent earlier this year. Shvitkova faced up to six years in prison on the porn charges. In a rare legal triumph, she was cleared by the central court in Komsomolsk on Amur in Far East Russia. Prosecutors can still appeal the verdict. As her mother, Anna Kodiriva, declared on Facebook, we rejoice, but only for now. Thousands of people celebrated LGBTQ pride in Bucharest, even as Romanian lawmakers consider their own version of no promo homo. 
Organizers claim that more than 15,000 marched for LGBTQ legal protections and marriage equality on July 9th. Fewer than 100 responded with a normalcy march to counter the queer festivities. Romania's Senate has already passed a ban on the use of school materials that promote being LGBTQ. 44 members of the European Parliament's LGBTI intergroup wrote to Romanian officials urging them to scuttle the worrying development. They compared it to similar censorship laws in Russia and Hungary. The measure would allow the government to ban classroom materials that promote the popularization of sex changes or homosexuality. Proponents claim that it prevents child abuse. It's currently being considered by the Romanian parliament's lower house. Some Iraqi lawmakers want to prevent homosexuality and the perversions associated with it. MP Aref al-Hamami told the Iraqi news agency that the country's parliamentary legal committee met on July 8th to consider such legislation. Homosexuality has technically been legal in Iraq since 2003. However, most queer Iraqis have been kept in the closet by roving anti-queer religious militias, often with law enforcement complicity. According to Human Rights Watch, LGBTQ people are typically prosecuted for the vague offense of public indecency. Now, Al-Hamami and others want to formally criminalize private consensual adult same-gender sex. They're collecting signatures to support the proposal ahead of the next legislative session. Amir Ashur leads the activist group Iraq Queer. He told Britain's Gay Times, the lives of LGBT plus people and the future of the queer movement are on the line. Far-right Republican Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is ready to recriminalize sodomy. Lawrence v. Texas was a U.S. Supreme Court ruling that legalized private consensual adult same-gender sex in 2003. It was one of the decisions Justice Clarence Thomas suggested should be reconsidered in his concurrence with the reversal of Roe v. Wade earlier this year, that and the rights to contraception and marriage equality. Paxton says he'd be eager to defend a Texas sodomy ban if lawmakers reinstate it and a case reaches the high court. He told the right-wing outlet News Nation, My job is to defend the state law, and I'm certainly willing and able to do that. Along with fellow trans persecutor Governor Greg Abbott, Paxton is seeking re-election in November. Pennsylvania's Governor Tom Wolf has vetoed a bill to ban trans girls and women from competing in public school sports. He called the measure discriminatory, unnecessary, and incredibly harmful. The state's Republican-controlled legislature tried to enact a trans sports ban last year, but it failed to cross the finish line. The Democrat Wolf warned lawmakers that he would not sign any bill that restricted the rights of LGBTQ people. Wolf wrote on his blog, the fact that this bill passed through Pennsylvania's Republican-led General Assembly solely to bully and oppress vulnerable children is atrocious. Hate has no place in Pennsylvania. Drag queen brunch defenders used music by ABBA to drown out right-wing extremists at a Hamburger Mary's in Houston, Texas. The weekly Sunday brunches are just about the food and the entertainment by local drag stars and are not marketed to children. Protesters gathered across the street from the queer popular eatery on July 10th, some believing they were protesting a strip show for children. Some of them wore Nazi insignia. 
Their ignorant outbursts were captured by videographer Kelly Cassebolt and posted to YouTube by News2Share.com. right mind what person in your right mind would decide that it is okay to go out and strip down in front of some children it's not okay for a woman to do that in front of children it's not okay for a man to do that in front of children and yet here we are constantly constantly battling this horde of degenerates who want to sit up here and continuously bash everybody that has a, a moral concept bags not welcome bags not welcome Oh my God, is that a Trump rally across the street? Where are, where are all the minorities? It's like a white supremacist rally. Finally, Republican Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri added to his dubious legacy at a July 12th Senate hearing by questioning the existence of transgender people. It was at a committee hearing regarding the future of abortion rights following the Supreme Court's reversal of Roe v. Wade. University of California Berkeley law professor Kiara Bridges tried to educate the senator best known for raising a supportive fist to Capitol-storming insurrectionists on January 6, 2021. Her efforts were apparently in vain. Professor Bridges, you've used a phrase. I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's, uh, we it's, can it's recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important Because of my us. line of questioning? Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think women can get <laughs> So you're denying that trans people exist? Thank and that leads to violence? Is this how you run your classroom? We have a good by time questioning. in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending July 16th, 2022. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. And you can read the transcript and listen to News Wrap each week by subscribing to our This Way Out radio channel on YouTube. For This Way Out, I'm Melanie Keller. Stay healthy. And I'm Michael LeBeau. Stay safe. This Way Out is supported in part by contributions from our listeners. Some give a little each month. Some make a larger annual contribution. More information and a link to give are online at thiswayout.org. Thank you. Queerly Yours profiles and courage with Roger Q. Mason, 
is This Way Out's special four-part series of conversations with transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming thought leaders from around the world. Our host for this series is a profile in Courage themselves, considered one of the most significant playwrights of the decade. Winner of the Chuck Rowland Pioneer Award, the Fire This Time Festival Alumni Spotlight, and the Hollywood Fringe Festival Encore Producers Award, Roger is currently an associate producer on the Discovery Plus docuseries Book of Queer and a researcher for Freeform Disney's How We Got Here. Their guest for the second installment of this series is another groundbreaking creative artist. Hi, I'm Roger Q. Mason. I am a Black, Filipinx, plus-size, gender non-conforming queer artist of color. And this is Queerly Yours, Profiles in Courage. Today's guest, Dorian Wood, is a multidisciplinary artist who is based in Los Angeles. They are a composer, a singer, a visual artist, and they've performed all over the world. Dorian, what's going on with you, Boo Boo? How are you this morning? I'm wonderful, and thank you so much for having me. So, darling, you just came back from a big trip, is that right? I did, yes. I was in the Netherlands for six weeks working on a project uh, collaboratively with a collective based in the Netherlands called Maison de Fond. It definitely felt uh, larger than life for us. It was a lot of physical labor and problem solving and and melding with you know people of all identities and that was actually something i found very fascinating early on like you know coming from you know the u.s uh, right. to netherlands and uh, there is an uncertainty as to how things are going to be for me in a predominantly white culture and, right. that and yeah and for six weeks and like is essentially residing there and uh, you know, they're a very nuanced experience, I can say, but at the same time, a very mindful respect for identity and pronouns among the people that wow. I was working with. Everybody knew. It was so amazing. When you sort of stepped outside of that circle in, in the Netherlands, did you find the same sort of progressive regard and empathy for your for your uh, gender expansiveness? Or did you find that perhaps the world outside of the creative circle you were in was was different? So I feel like the othering of anyone in any right. situation, regardless right. of how inclusive, to me, like, by the way, like the idea of inclusion is, is incredibly toxic. And, you know, I'm not one to seek inclusion into anything. I don't want to be included into... Right. A club that doesn't want me to be a part of That's it from right. the very beginning. So yeah, like, right. I just want to be like, you know, acknowledged and essentially left alone. Just to go to the other side of it, which is, of course, the American experiment to be mm. an individual and left alone, right. of course, has been turned into a malignant and malicious way of life here where I want to be left alone to do things and impose the things that I think are superior to yours on you. Right. 
So uh, the flip side of this, which is sort of brazen individualism, Mm -hmm. has been corrupted in such a way that actually doesn't allow the individual to actually express and thrive. Right. Because we're essentially being invited into someone else's home and we're asked to be on our best behavior if you want to remain in there. So it is all about assimilation and it's the only way that you that many of us are going to get to survive or have been able to survive until until this point, you know, like anything that is outside of this, you know, you know, binary, you know, oppression is a transgression and an excuse to be kicked out onto the street, which is really all they want. And that's what they want is they want us to, it's, it's sort of like destruction by neglect. What you're asking for is so incredibly simple. And one of the things that I think you do so brilliantly in your work is you make people understand the humanity, the the essential and beautiful and majestic humanity of your own individualism. Mm, thank you. I yeah. I feel that's really something emblematic of who we are as a worldwide community of queer people. Um, what we bring to the table as individuals and the insistence on our individuality uh, have that be respected and acknowledged but at the same time, not at the sacrifice of community. How did you find music? How did music find me? Well, I started playing piano at a very early age. I was taught piano by my late grandfather, Mm. Alasanz Alvarez, who was a renowned pianist in Costa Rica. Uh, He was born in Nicaragua, but he moved to Costa Rica and became... um, a renowned uh, jazz and classical session pianist. And mm. when he came to the States, you know, he wanted to you know, create a better life for his family and, um, and still kept with his piano playing, but ultimately had to find another form of working that was more stable. And mm. in that time when I was born, I, I, I picked up the piano very easily, apparently. And at age four, I gave my first recital. Uh, in front of people. And it was essentially my first concert. It was at uh, the University of Southern California. And he that's where he worked in the mailroom. So he was able, through his connections, to get me um, there uh, to have a recital. And wow. um, I remember to this day being so incredibly nervous and, and shaky, but um, also feeling very confident in what I was able to do musically to the point where um, once I started honing my skill better, I started rebelling against my grandfather and mm-hmm. I wouldn't play the music based on how it was written, but rather my own style. And he insisted that I don't do that, that I stick to what the sheet music said. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. I want to do things my own way. This is a little kid, by the way, this is like a mm-hmm. kid mm-hmm. at this point is like, you know, nine, 10 years old. So at that age, I had a very clear, um, in my mind, in my gut, what I wanted to do. I wanted to do things my own way. So I stopped playing piano for years. And I tell him, I'm I'm not going to play anymore. If I'm not going to do things my way, then I won't do them. And that's really (laughs) the foundation for everything I've ever done. Um, Hmm. Iconoclasm. (laughs) I guess so. And, you know, it, it was uh, just, I mean, you know, something I couldn't describe. I had this, you know, fire 
burning within and all around me that pushed me in this direction of, you know, not saying, oh, I can do it better. Never about that. It was like, no, I just want to do this in my own way. I'm Roger Q. Mason, and you're listening to Queerly Yours, Profiles in Courage. Who was sort of inspiring you as you were sort of forming this voice of yours? Um, You know, I was always very drawn to pop music, um, classical music, folk music. I I really honestly can't say there was an actual inspiration. My grandfather obviously was the one that put me on the path mm. of you know self-realizing as as a musical artist. But um, I would say like like later on, you know, like in my early adulthood, I drew great inspiration from Nina Simone, mm-hmm. uh, from Chavela Vargas, um, Edith Piaf. I, you know, Sinead O'Connor, like really like artists whom I felt brought something uh, to whatever genre they were being, you know, forced to uh, be boxed into. Um, Something that was crucial in the context of when they were presenting this music, uh, crucial in the message they were conveying, but more importantly, in the individuality they were expressing and sharing with the world and that to me has always been the the greatest urgency, the the one atop of everything. Whenever they want to wipe anyone out, and there will always be like a different political agenda to uh, to pursue that from the powers that be. It will always be to silence individuality. Come on, come on, speak on that. Speak yeah. on that. I mean, I think about what it means to be arting while queer. Mm-hmm. And, I, and and just by the very nature of who we are and how we present from the moment we walk on a stage, we're already primed to be othered and uh, sort of metaphoricalized and and feared and also revered at the same time. Right. Do you feel that when you when you started what, what, at what point did you start sort of more overtly or or, or readably? Um, signaling the inspiration of your queerness in your work, not only in terms of what you were performing, but also how you were presenting on stage when you were performing. I I felt that's been from a very early age. I think like almost right out of high school. Um, I felt very fortunate to have a mother that was very understanding and nourishing, uh, not specifically about my queerness, but just about who I was. Right. And that, you know, and that I should really take whoever I was, whoever I wanted to be, Mm -hmm. uh, to the highest limit. You know, my father was a different story, but you know, my, my mother really pushed me in that direction. And it was always about, uh, 
you know, trying to find like who I was on stage, uh, realizing that anytime that I wanted to be like a certain someone else, um, that, you know, did a certain type of music that I found interesting, it would never, you know, it would always come out in my own way. There would always be like this extra flair, this, um, additional, uh, you know, like layer of, you know, of, you know, of personal history that would Mm. seep into whatever it is that I did. Um, and that's when I started, um, really delving deep into the legacies of, you know, these artists that I mentioned, like Amina mm-hmm. Simone and Chavela and, and how they were just showing up yeah. to tell their stories through either their own music or the music of other people. And, and that r- truly resonated with me when, um, when I realized that both in the people that I admire and in whom I wanted to be, the common denominator was connecting with people through a profound authenticity that, mm. that really uh, resonated more with, like I said before, the urgency of individuality and to shine a light on that, that like, yes, there is, you know, there are categorizations of audience, uh, you know, on one side and, you know, artists on the other on a stage. And to me, every live experience is a collaborative one where we're each creating a moment that we can take, you know, for ourselves and do what we want with it. But I know that I have been touched as a spectator in shows when that's the case, when I'm not just there listening to music or watching someone perform, when I'm invited into the experience to create a moment that resonates um, beyond who we are and yet acknowledging of who we are individually. So I, and I, I really aim to find that in every situation that I present work, be it music, visual, anything. You better speak on that, child. Dorian Wood, folks the one and only and how blessed we are in this lifetime to be spending and sharing time, space and opportunity with you. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to join me today on Queerly Yours. We are all so much better for it. And from my heart to yours, to everyone out there listening, stay queer, stay curious and stay with it, darlings. I'm Roger Q. Mason for this way out. Dorian Wood's website is DorianWood.com. 
Thanks for discovering This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from Michael LeBeau and Melanie Keller, produced by Brian DeShazer. Queerly Yours, Profiles in Courage with Roger Q. Mason was produced by Brian DeShazer and Roger Q. Mason with music and sound production by David Gonzalez. Abba and Dorian Wood performed some of the music you heard and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This Way Out thanks the Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation, the Yavana Foundation, a bequest from Christopher David Trentum, and donors James Kennedy and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Thank you. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For coordinating producer Greg Gordon and all of us at This Way Out, I'm Lucia Chappell. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org and on WEFT Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, 7RGY Jeeves in Tasmania, KTAL Las Cruces, New Mexico, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all.